Hello, this is Terry. And this is Coco. And this is Adventures in Organized Chaos. Where we talk about... Local politics. National politics. Some culture. Lots of culture. Some movies. Definitely some movies? Maybe some books. Mmm. We talk about organizing. Absolutely. Let's talk about that movement work. Let's get into it. All right. Big applause. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about today, Coco? I don't know. We, we had a couple topics... Um, Last time that we liked, we had the the virtual or the online dating um, debacle. Um, I've also managed to go to a couple city meetings since our last uh, get together. So uh, I'm sure we could vibe out on any number of things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but before we get started, what's the what's why are we here? What's the purpose of this uh, of us having a podcast? Well, um, it seems like we both have a lot on our mind, and we sh- um, seem to think other people might want to hear it. So I guess this is where, when we learn whether or not that's true. Yeah. <laughs> right, like we get no views, <laughs> no streams. Yeah, but we do get to get it out, which is really important. Yeah, I think that that's what I, I like. Um, and then why is uh like I, I think we when we originally kind of got together, we talked about this being um, about organizing, about movement work, and that kind of stuff. So I think that there's some connections there, which I'm interested in. So absolutely. Yeah. And for for those of you who who may actually not know us and be listening. Um, we, <laughs> I am a city councilor and represent Ward 4 in Holyoke, and I am also a uh, clothing designer by trade who does flat pattern and production management. Yum. Yeah, all, all fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, and I'm an organizer with Neighbor to Neighbor. Uh, it's a grassroots organization. It's been around since 1996 in Massachusetts. Um, chapters in Lynn, Worcester, Holyoke, and Springfield. Um, and we do a lot. I wear a lot of different hats. We do a lot of different work. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. right. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's new on the uh, on the um, the rent renters rights front? I know we were um, talking about that. There was a big town meeting where I got covid and uh, but the message, Did the message COVID? was very Did you important get COVID at the town. meeting. I'm pretty sure I got it at the meeting. Wow. Yeah, it was a big it was a big event. A lot of people came out and um, voiced their concerns and had themselves really their voices super amplified about this issue in Holyoke, which is super valid. But yeah, I totally got COVID there. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Um, I think the mayor. I think the mayor left with some motivation towards um, helping support an office of tenant tenant protection mm-hmm. um, and really just putting out there the conversation of just tenants rights um, and trying to support that whether that's from City Hall or if there's any economic resources that could be put towards that but I think that that was the core of it I think we wanted to really make sure that community members were speaking directly to City Council and letting them know hey housing is hell right. for, for a lot of us here in Holyoke so um, really wanted to just address that. So I was, I'm glad you made it, but I'm sad you left with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not only did I make it, I'm on the public safety committee. So I actually had the pleasure of helping to host it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, there was a lot of good feedback from that. And what I took away from it is what I often take away from things going on in our community. And it's that there's not enough education around what people's rights actually are. Unfortunately, um, people can advocate for you, but just like with any kind of benefits or like your taxes, like for the most part, nobody can do it for you. You have to implement the process. You have to file a complaint, request repairs, maintenance. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
it's really vital that people actually know how to do things and know that they're empowered to do them. So whatever office may exist or committee that comes up, the real purpose is to just get people educated on what they can do and should do and know that they have support, in my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. There may be some listeners who don't who feel like, uh, yeah, uh, F the community, they should not be a part of this process. You should just basically tell them what's 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 good. Um, right. But I, I, yeah, I totally believe that that idea, I think in a nutshell of co-governance where community members are a part of that like policymaking process, right? And I think that's just key um, to having a healthy and sustainable community. I guess I'll ask, what was the initial reason for you running for city council? Like what was that thing that kind of sparked that for you? Um, unfortunately, it wasn't that deep. Uh, there was no one else running in Ward 4. And Libby Hernandez, who held that seat, um, I had a conversation with her and um, Rebecca Lisi, who was running for mayor at the time, and I asked them how I could help with their campaigns because mm-hmm. um, I imagine it would be really cool to learn what it's all about. And basically they uh, voluntold me that I would be running for Ward okay. 4. I mean, they were really nice about it, and it didn't take a lot of, like, arm twisting, but it definitely wasn't my intention to run, but I was interested in the work, and I'm happy I did run, and, um, yeah, so I don't have any, uh, I don't have any regrets, but (laughs) I wish I had a story about how, like, I just couldn't wait to do all this amazing work. I I sort of fell into it, but I do really enjoy it. So was there, I'm just going to ask, was there a lot of, like, lowered expectations, you know what I mean, when you entered into this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and not on my part. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think very little was expected of me and many other new counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, as we have just finished this first year in office, I think um, we are being looked at a little differently than the day we were sworn in, mm-hmm. which is a good thing, I think. So is that, like, shift the dynamics for running again this time around? Are you running again this time around? I did pull papers. I am running again. Okay. Okay. So does that does that change? Does that put some of those folks on their heels, letting them know, like, that I, you're coming? It definitely lets them know that we're running again. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are running again. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people who who lost in the last um, election are running again for, for their old city council seats. So, um I guess with that, I would say, obviously, we have caught the attention of many because the people who are normally in those seats are not there and they want them back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's a good thing to create this kind of uh, competition. I think it's healthy competition because we're all standing for a different different future for Holyoke. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, voters need to know what that means and vote accordingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I lived in your ward, you get my vote. I'm not, I mean, <laughs> but, but I'm also a part of an organization that may even endorse you. So we'll see where that goes. Woohoo! Uh, right? Lucky um, me. Yeah, who knows? Right? Yeah, <laughs> could co- happen. Co- could co- happen. Co- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but are there any like specific policy agendas just this go around that you want to see kind of in place, or any support from uh, organizations around you? Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> to help you like kind of get some policy agendas out there. Well, I mean, I've been I've been working on the same few things mostly, which is like quality of life stuff. As a ward counselor, I don't really um, have a hold of the big picture of the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can put my hands in all the pots, but I really um, my purpose is to serve the ward four community and their concerns, and those tend to be more 
neighborhood concerns like trash pickup, you know, the streets being plowed, um, people parking in non no parking areas. We have a lot of traffic issues in general in the city with speeding. We've had several deaths, you know, in the last um, year, um, for like pedestrian deaths, bicyclists being hit. Um, so a lot of what I do is just try to get people to slow down. You're a traffic cop. I'm like a traffic cop <laughs> with no power. <laughs> But there have been a lot of things happening that I don't think the community realizes. And right now, I guess part of the podcast is also helping people see that there are things happening, even if you don't know about them. Like, um, we do, I have seen more stateies in Holyoke, you know, state police. And not that that's welcomed by everyone, but they are coming in and helping, like, slow down the traffic. They're writing tickets. They're pulling people over. You know, sending that message that, hey, this is not okay. You know, Holyoke is not the Wild West, contrary to popular belief. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and I think and I think there's an interesting um, – I think there's an inf- interesting conversation to be had in city council when there is so many other things happening, right? Yeah. Like, to be concerned about traffic and speeding on the streets when – you know, there is also, um, you know, concerns with people's housing as we right. initially started. So yeah. being in this role of counselor, you do have to balance all of that. Well, I definitely get to hear about all of that. And I also get to hear the inside scoop of who's doing what about it. So knowing that the Board of Health is really on top of their game and doing the best they can, even though that doesn't always, um, it always doesn't appear in people's individual lives. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to figure out how to do things legally. Because at the end of the day, the city can't just do what it wants because you ha- you're having a you have a, a difficult situation, and therefore the city can help you. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works legally. Right. You know, there are state laws that that have to be abided by. And again, as your city councilor, I can't just come in and cite your landlord for being horrible. Right. You know, like there there are so many processes that you have to go through to deal with these deadbeat you know, landlords. And it's unfortunate, but we, if, if we don't know as a community how to handle things, mm-hmm. we're never going to get there. So at the very least, um, you know, when citizens come together and have these public hearings and come in and make sure to, that their voices are heard and ask their important questions, they do get the answers that they're seeking. It might not be the answers they want to hear, mm-hmm. but they are getting answers. Right. And at the end of the day, it's really important to know that when you go to city hall or any public offices or talk to your city officials, that you're going to get answers. Now, let me ask: Is this uh, is this something that, um, as an individual citizen, that I would want to do by myself, or like you see how neighbor to neighbor moves, and we like to bring a lot of people? Like, do we need both? And or like, what's your take on? I think up? we do need both. You know, I think one hand, you know, um, smacks the other, mm-hmm. not washes the other. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You need the one to remind the other that these things are always happening because the other may get so tied up and busy um, with the rest of what's going on in the city that priorities change. Yeah. So what's what's important to me is not necessarily what's important to you, and I think that goes for the various city departments. You know, Board of Health is dealing with code violations, landlords, restaurants, permits. Um, you know, any number of things, trash issues and homelessness and needle cleanup. And, you know, they're dealing with pretty much everything related to health. Mm -hmm. And then you have like the Office of Planning and Economic Development. And then you have like, you know, every other office, you have planners and you have a city engineer and, 
you know, all these offices are charged with like a main task, but there's still all this other stuff that's kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think that currently um, the powers that be in the city are really trying to trying to create some glue so that all these departments are talking to each other more so that they can actually solve problems. Yeah. And I think it's there's good changes happening that just never happen as quickly as we'd like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds like you're talking a lot more about collaboration and like between these city departments, which are non-elected officials, and then also with these electeds. And I think that that, that even gets into like a bigger conversation of, about collaboration for me, is that sometimes when we enter into a space, we have to recognize that like there are set priorities that are happening already in that space right. and that like we just have to understand is already going on. And we can't, as like, for example, as an organizer, I can't go in there and say, well, you're going to work on my priorities now. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're going to drop everything that funds and supports and keeps this office doing what this office does and just focus on on me now. You know what I mean? And so yeah. there has to be this understanding that like we're going to we're making space for each other. Right. And like building out that relationship. Yeah. And that's across the board for sure. Like yeah. last night I had a ordinance committee meeting and our city engineer was there and he um, mentioned that there is a um, pavement plan for the city. You know, when all the streets get repaved and what kind of work's happening. And he wants, he's trying to get it up on, on the, uh, on the city website within the next month or so. And, you know, a question from one of the counselors, you know, at this meeting was, well, what if there's a street that's really damaged? Does it get priority? Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are the disconnects that we need to meld. Like there's a plan. We're going to put it up. Then you can look. Right. You know, it, it needs to be that simple because there really is so many things going on at the same time that it's impossible to know if you're up next or not, if you're not part of the city engineering staff or the Office of Planning and Economic Development staff. Right, right. But they're all trying to be more transparent and put all that information out there so that when you ask me as your ward counselor, hey, Coco, when is our street getting paved? I can just look, tell you, and send you the link be like, hey, actually, we're not slated for another year. So if you want to put a driveway in or request to, you know, do any weird stuff that affects the street paving, now's the time to try to do it if right, you can, right. you know. Um, you may have already asked, answered this question, but for just the renting average Jane or Joe in Holyoke, like, why is street paving, sidewalks, all of that kind of, like, why is that important? And what, what, I mean, from your opinion, why do you think that that's important for them to con be concerned about that? Um, well, I think it's important for beautification. I also think it's important for, um, like, when they do this work, they're also usually doing, like, water work underground. It's, it's usually all in, in, like, it's all lined up. So mm -hmm. if they just worked on, like, the fire systems and the sewage systems in your neighborhood and you were getting brown water because they were flushing in another part of the city – this affects you because now you have all these giant holes in the middle of your street mm -hmm. because they just did all this underground work. Mm -hmm. And the, they're actually trying to plan things out properly like most cities do um, and make sure that, okay, now this water work happened or this electrical work happened or what have you, or gas work, and now we're going to pave the street over brand new and it's not going to have like all these potholes so you're not going to like Tear your car lose, a, yeah, you yeah. lose an axle, you know, like yeah. so – it does make a lot of sense, and for the everyday person, 
who you vote for is who gives these people or doesn't give these people more or less the ability to do their job. Mm-hmm. You know, when, in my opinion, we have a very um, power-heavy city council, and we spend a lot of time picking apart the individual um, city departments and really kind of trying to micromanage them, mm-hmm. which may be necessary sometimes if there's, you know, something uh, fishy that seems to be going on. But if not, I like to think that the professionals that we've hired can do their job properly. And what we really need to be asking for is more transparency. Is this the plan? Why haven't I seen it yet? Why hasn't the public seen it yet? It's not my job to learn how to be a city engineer. It's my job to learn how to share what they're doing with the citizens. Yeah. And that's, I think, some of that, like, lack of transparency is definitely by design. That, like, there is have been efforts politically to make sure that community members don't have access to those ideas, don't have access to those plans, mm-hmm. don't see the resources and the funding that right. are being spent on certain projects. And then also, like, that other part, I think you did mention beautification, but I think it also gets into the conversation of beautification for who and right. for, and when that actually happens. And some sometimes we see these re- redevelopment plans happen in our community, and it almost seems like, oh, we should just know that we're about ready to be displaced, especially if we're low uh, income renters in this community, all of a sudden the roads and the sidewalks start getting straightened yeah, out yeah. and you're putting up new street lights. you know what I mean? Spider senses are starting to tingle and yeah, you know well, what I mean? I think also there's a, a, a little bit of convenient conspiracy happening right now too because due to COVID, we have all these ARPA funds. So mm-hmm. um, it may seem like things are being beautified because rents are going up and because property values are going up when in actuality um, we just went through COVID which is affecting almost everything in the world the entire like global economic community Mm -hmm. and as a result luckily all these funds are just like flowing into cities so so Holyoke is actually really fortunate right now because we would otherwise not have the money to do any of this and Holyoke would continue to slowly crumble around us. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you see a new road, when you see a new bridge, when you see a new school, (laughs) you should be thankful that, you know, the American rescue plan exists because it's just because of that, that the country is going to stop falling apart. Now, uh, but again, I think that there's a struggle for for me, I think, and I see a struggle happening to balance this out. Um, so I saw I saw a story this morning that in Springfield, S- Springfield's getting what seven point two million dollars that's coming out of um, some settlement with opioid funding, right? Yeah. And uh, I think Sarno had mentioned that his office is looking at like a list of projects to like put that money in. They're basically like like purchasing large pieces of equipment for the police department and the fire department. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, like it were it was community members, it was residents who felt like the hardest brunt of the opioid crisis. So these chunks of funds not meeting those hands just seems problematic to me. You know what I mean? Like and and yeah, that's that's where I'm at in thinking about this these large large pools of money that they could easily go into like supporting and building up institutions and infrastructure that's not for us. Right, right, right. And so we got to be, I I think as an organizer, I'm concerned and and wanting to be on the forefront of where a lot of these these funding streams come from. So what advice 
would you say or what what do you think that yeah i see i would say what i say to everyone which is not an ideal it's not an exciting solution Mm -hmm. but there are meetings all the time about this stuff and you should be checking the city council agendas because that's where it all starts If there's any funds coming into the city, they come through the city council for a vote or something, or they're mentioned in a budget meeting. So if you can take the time, you know, once a week to peruse the the agendas for the city meetings, if you see those things that are interesting to you and that affect your community, those are the meetings you need to go to. Mm -hmm. You need to follow that little trail of ARPA funds, opioid funds. I mean... The opioid question came up um, recently in our in our um, in a finance meeting. Mm-hmm. They talked about it like significantly, or one of the meetings, you know. But it's on an agenda first because all this information is public information. It has to be by law. Mm-hmm. We can't talk about it unless the public knows about it, and the public notification is really just the agenda being posted at least forty eight hours before the meetings. You know, so if you don't follow what's going on because it's not very exciting to follow it, mm-hmm. you know, it's only interesting if you find the thing you want to hear about. Um, it's still your responsibility to know what you're interested in and follow it. Right. You right. know, I guess my question now is, is like, is there ways for council to become more accessible for community members? Are there things that we could even link up? Shouts out to Holyoke Media um, <laughs> to like help get that what's happening in council and what's on those agendas like more palatable and more like approachable for community members yeah i mean it's unfortunate but there's not enough time in the day for part-time city councilors to dissect and edit three-hour meetings Mm -hmm. you know they are all um recorded they're all available to watch but they're really long you know so sometimes if i'm involved in a in a debate in one of the meetings i might post it on my facebook and say, hey, at minute, blah, 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 this happened. You may be interested. I did post the whole city hall meeting, you know. Um, but, the again, the information is all public, and until someone decides to either make the time or take the time to do that extra, you know, work of piecing together the, the bullet points, I don't see it happening because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just too much information. Yeah. I mean, there are 13 city councilors. There are, like, six subcommittees. And so we're all in either a city council meeting twice a month or one of two subcommittees at least twice a month. Some of us are on other boards and committees. Um, So it's just a lot of information to pull together. Now, if city councilors were full-time, elected full-time positions with with enough of, like, a stipend that could cover living expenses, Mm -hmm. that would be totally different, you know? I mean... I'm sure a lot of us would rather do this work full-time because it it's full-time work. We just don't have the full-time to do it. Right. And I, and would that even be the clerk's role, too, to do that? I don't even know. Whose job would that be? I don't even know. Um, but something you have said, this may even be shifting gears. Coco and I are both uh, have some roots in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, and, it, like, something you said kind of reminded me of, like, uh, Homestead, um, <laughs> And like the the Carnegie Library, right? Mm. That's out there, and and the Carnegie Libraries that were built kind of all around these um, East Coast cities, and it was like Carnegie's way, his lasting gift, 
right. to these communities was to give you a library, right? <laughs> and these are people who like don't read like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who who like it's not that they can't appreciate that, but you know what I mean? You give them a it's library. It's also the world's a changing place where libraries, I mean, they're not dead, but they're, you know, they're not as used used as they used to be for the same thing. I got some folks that will argue with you. I, I will argue about libraries and how they're used today. I think they're they're changing their purpose, yeah, right? Exactly. I think I think their purposes are changing. But at the time that the Carnegie Library was built, like there are these opulent, beautiful spaces mm -hmm. and it's just like all right, and and it's just like all right. Now you can have access to this, but I don't even know the first thing about weaving my way through any <laughs> of these shelves or any of these books. And I guess like again, that makes me think of the organizer's purpose, right? To help people kind of make their way through this space. When we're talking city council, like again, our I, I put a little bit more on us as organizers to say that we should definitely spend some more time. And helping folks even understanding Robert's rules and like, oh God, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, even understanding those very simple things. And, and for community members who may not even be running for office, I think it would be helpful for them to understand like how these meetings are governed and how they kind of go. So, yeah, it's all, all about leading people into those spaces where they aren't traditionally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're, we're not traditionally, but we're becoming more traditionally there. Yeah. And learning through the process, which is uh, painful at best. The struggle, the struggle, <laughs> the struggle of city council is so real, so real. All um, right. Yeah, so we've been talking for 25 minutes just about yeah. city council. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, are you, are you <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll take let's, a break. Let's take a little break from that. <laughs> All right, we're back. All right. Welcome. Can we clap again? I mean, Wee, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. All we right. It, we made it through 30, 30 whole minutes in a break. I know. Ten seconds in, and I'm ready to do some giggling. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, what was on your list of topics? Online dating and. Uh, we had something else. I feel like there's other more important stuff going on in the world um, <laughs> than getting than getting catfish. But yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if that's all that's going on on online dating, but yeah. No, I don't think so. I think catfishing is one of them. <laughs> I have a lot of notes here about, oh, the Flex Squad. We have a Flex Squad in Holyoke. You want right. to hear about that? What's the Flex Squad? I don't even know about that. What's that? I mean, this is, could be short and sweet, and it kind of piggybacks on all the things happening in Holyoke mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily know about if you don't read from the mayor's desk every week. Mm -hmm. um, but the Flex Squad is basically... Um, ARPA funds used to pay city, already city employees for like, basically like a, a like part-time job where twice a week they go out into various um, neighborhoods mm -hmm. and it's affected by the census somehow. So like they have the city blocked off and they'll go out on a Saturday morning and give people sort of like little notes that say, hey, don't forget, you know, you're responsible for your curb trash or Hey, you know, we noticed this. It's it's like a citation, but there's no there's no real um, there's no penalty. Mm. It's not like a financial penalty. It's just a heads up. We're a starting to reminder. do. Yeah, it's a heads up. We're starting to do this. You could get a penalty in the future, but for now, it's just a reminder that these ordinances exist, these these rules exist in the city for homeowners, building owners, and that gets back into the tenants, sort of, the tenants' rights stuff. Like, 
the city is starting to crack down on things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting to see more ticketed cars. I'm seeing um, more people. I'm hearing from people talking like, hey, you know, they stopped by. I thought that was really nice. They also stop by and tell you if your place looks really good. Mm. You know, so it's like the positive reinforcement. Like, hey, you're, you're doing your part. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I really like that idea. And that's something that's come out of, you know, all these talks with the Board of Health and um, with with the police department where, you know, I'm constantly calling in, hey, you know, this this house has had this problem for so long. Is anybody ever going to, you know, let them know that that's not okay? Yeah. Um, so we're we're working on it, you know. I, I think that's I think that's Something. good work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's good work. And I, I, again, I think it goes back into kind of the quality of life issues that are. Um, I, I think that there definitely is like a difference in who's more interested in the quality life issues in the city, and versus the folks who are like, "Yo, I got very pressing things happening in my house right now," mm-hmm. and I think. I will give it some grace and say that it's an easy like in kind of getting those conversations started. I mean, I had a um, when I lived in Pittsburgh. We talked about mentioning you mentioned I had some roots when I lived in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I ran it from a slumlord, um, <laughs> and oh big big surprise because I think there's slumlords all over. But I remember like not having a bedroom window. Like I had a I had a f- the the frame was there. Like everything for a window was there, but a window was not in there. Oh no! It was like a there's winter of, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, there's winters. There's winters. <laughs> so that's when we was really starting to say, "Hey, can you send somebody to come fix this?" And uh, the landlord never never got that. He was fixed. like, "Sure, no problem." Yeah, yeah. Oh. He was he was like, "Sure, no problem. I won't." You know what I mean? That was basically how he, how he was, how he was gonna approach that. Um, but there was something else. Like uh, it was also like we had a garage in the back that was falling apart behind the house, and actually the neighbors would come over all the time and like say, you know, you got stray animals that are living in there and all of the kind of stuff. So now yeah. it's like really starting to affect. Now it's creating a health hazard right, with right, pests right. and and even like you know. I had reached, remember reaching out to the landlord. We fought him or whatever. We lost. Long story short, <laughs> or whatever. But you know, it was, it was interesting to see us. Interesting to have gone through all of those, calling the health department and going through all of that to try to get something. Actually, and then you got nothing. And we got nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, any. All that to say is any effort towards making our housing better, I'm for. So. I love the tenants union and the work that they're doing and fighting for the tenants bill of rights and an office of tenants, tenant protections. I think those are all real smart moves to like help build out some real policy and some like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that, that goes on the, the, the state level too, because, um, one huge problem I, I find is that, um, there's no cap on how much a landlord can raise the rent in Massachusetts. That's scary. It's really scary because, I mean, I'm pretty sure, and I might be wrong, so I think this law changed because I'm pretty sure that when I bought my house, which is a multifamily, that there was a cap, and you couldn't raise the rent more than, like, 10% a year or maybe even less. Because mm. I remember thinking – when I bought the house, the tenants paid three seventy five a month, and I remember thinking, "Oh dear, I need to pay the mortgage, but I can't raise the rent, but so much, right, you know." Right. So, like the initial rent raise, I was able to do, but after that, you know, you can't go but so much, which I think is a good thing, you know. Right. Yeah, so they I still have a reasonable rent, you know, over at my house, but, um, but it's basically because I always thought you couldn't. 
And just because I, I had that ingrained, I feel like it's not nice. It's not a nice thing to do to just be like, oh, by the way, I need more money from you. And now your rent's going to go up 300 bucks a month. That, that's like a lot. Yeah. And tenants are, as a renter, you know what I mean? If you are knocking on my door or sent me an email or a text or WhatsApp, Snapchat, whatever, whatever. and tell me that you want to raise my rent, you know what I mean? I, I'm going to want to know why. Like, Saying that, like, you got to pay your mortgage is one thing, but I think a, a, as a renter, I'm going to sometimes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to most often going to want to see something else out of this. Like, right. can you change the color of this house or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> can you do something to, like, switch this up to let me know that my investment towards this is, is going to a good cause? Um, and I think that's also, you bring up a point about why, Fighting for rent control in Massachusetts is so important Absolutely. for a lot of a lot of communities here. Um, thinking about like making sure that there is a cap. So again, moving here, you know, coming from what was I paying? What seven twenty five in Pittsburgh? I think mm -hmm. was like what sounds we were about right. It was around there, and then you come up here, and then you running into places two bedroom, three bedrooms, fourteen, fifteen hundred. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no real like that that's a that's a bit of a jump. You know what I mean? That's a bit of a jump to move from from one place to another and having to pay higher rent. So I definitely see a need for kind of creating some sort of middle ground and some sort of safe space for renters. I, I don't I think what what's end up gonna what's gonna happen with rent control is that's a statewide fight. The state mm -hmm. has to agree to allow municipalities to set what that is. And I think rent control is gonna look it's gonna vary from municipality to municipality across Massachusetts. Really? Yeah. I, Totally, like you're gonna have places. So you don't think it it'll be like a, like a statewide mandate for. There, by square footage or something. Are you saying it has to be city to city because of the demo different demographics? Different demographics, different income levels. I think all of that's gonna play into like having some very municipality municipally specific. It'll be like the tax code, very complicated. Yeah. It, oh, definitely. <laughs> but I, but I think. It will be I think complicated. that's the model, though, the tax, the tax code. Uh, um, I, and I think there's other ways of going by. I think, like, if kind of looking at um, participatory budgeting models and that kind of thing, things that models that bring in community members to be a part of that, I think we can kind of get out of the weeds. The, some of that tax code stuff I really think is there just to confuse people. Like, not, <laughs> I don't even think people who know how to know taxes understand right. what they're looking at. They're like, I'm confused too. We're just gonna fake it to make it. It's the um, that's why there's TurboTax. So you just put all the information in, and it yeah. tells you what's Go going on. Go ahead and give them the hundred, <laughs> two hundred dollars or whatever. You it do costs. it. You yeah. figure it out yeah, here. <laughs> See again, this brings me back to the services of the library. If right. you got a solid local library, you can also go to them to do your taxes for free. So oh, there you go. That's a big, sh that's, I think you should say that loud. Uh, shout out to the libraries for doing taxes for free. <laughs> Here's our clap. I, again, I don't know, Woo, I don't know if Holyoke Library is going to do yes. that this year, but shouts out to the libraries who <laughs> offer those services. <laughs> also, like, you know, something else about the libraries is like, shouts out to them for having CDs and DVDs. Anybody who like doesn't do the streaming services. Yeah, they still like, got them. They still got those, so yeah. you can always go in there, like, I know people who go in there and, <laughs> this might be the hustle, but go in there and burn CDs, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, like, yeah, store music that so way. So that's where they're coming from. Yeah, okay. it might be where the burn CDs are coming from. It's <laughs> out the library. <laughs> out the library. <laughs> nice. All right. I, I done busted somebody's hustle already. Like, let's get back to talking about Don't worry, only our, only our family is listening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> no, nah, but but yeah, seriously about rent control, I, I'm all I'm all for it. I, I could definitely use it. Um, and I know a lot of people who would 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 be definitely in support of it. Even folks who are making you know making decent funds, right? Folks that are small landlords, I think we could even find those who are like, yeah, definitely rent control would be helpful for people like you. Your situation was like, where where's the cap here? You yeah. know what I mean? Like where like, where do I have to start feeling guilty about right. this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Coco, I love you. That you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know why you're a part of this movement because sometimes, like you know, we definitely are at odds, but it's beautiful. <laughs> love it. <laughs> well, you know, happy accidents happen. Right. You know, yes. I I bought my house in 2005, so um, I'm kind of I don't know. I don't have to raise the rents crazy, but when the water bills start going up and you know when things go up, then I think, oh man, you know. But usually my my um, renters have the same um lease for like two three years with the same price before it goes up like 50 bucks or yeah. something you know that's like good, that's good. yeah so and I, I i try i try and i will say and i do feel guilty when i say oh by the way i am so the water is more expensive and i have to raise the rent 50 dollars. <laughs> i'm really sorry here's a bottle of wine i'm so sorry that's nice that's nice and yeah. sometimes a house plant works too you house know plants I mean? work house yeah plant works too. <laughs> but uh, i think that that's why being a part of this movement is actually important for you as a small landlord is because we want to build these protections out with small landlords. We, we really don't want corporate landlords because they're the ones that are messing <laughs> they're up the, the problem, game. Yeah. They're the real it's problem. It's not the people who own like one six right. apartment building and live next door who are the issue. Right. We yeah. we want to, yeah, we, it would be all, it'd be nice to like build out these protections. Well, in general, family. just the owner-occupied status makes for a very different community. Mm-hmm. You know, like in my case, I live in my four family and not everybody does, but there's other landlords in the city who literally like they own a two family and they live in a one family next door or they own a building and they live in a two family next door to that. Like Mm -hmm. those, those landlords have a very different relationship with their tenants. They're present. Yeah. It's very, you know, people do different things when you're watching them when you're not watching. So, and that goes both ways for the landlord and the tenant. That's the, that's the thing that I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I'm cool. I, I will respect your space, but I don't want you watching me. I don't need you watching me. You know what I mean? I'm and just so, saying the fact that I, I live there makes you not do things that you might do if I didn't live there. Yeah, and I totally get that. And like take your people, trash out. Some you people, know. you need that little bit of accountability. Yeah. And most people never hear from me at all, but they know I'm there. So I, I just know because I have been an absentee landlord, too. Yeah. And I know that my houses basically nearly fall apart when nobody's watching. Yeah. <laughs> so is it there, there, I mean, there's a, there's definitely a balance there. I like, I like, you know, I think for me, I like having a present landlord, somebody who I can call. You know what I mean? But you know, sometimes if you think we're gonna be friends, like, yeah, we don't have to be. We don't friends. have to be friends. Yeah, we're you know, not what hanging mean? out. This is an economic relationship. You yeah. know what I mean? This, this suddenly, it's very transactional here. <laughs> it's cool, but yeah, I think sometimes it can kind of go overboard, especially when you're talking about your personal space. You know what I mean? Where you're vulnerable, where you say and do things that you don't necessarily do in public. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, like, that doesn't exist for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I gave up those rights a long time ago. Yeah, so I also like, live with my mother, so. Woo. Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's a bit much. <laughs> Dang, Coco, we, I think we did cover the, cover cover a lot. Yeah, yeah, we're 13 minutes into the second half. Yeah. I don't know how What's long. What's the comic to, relief? 
Not, I mean, I don't know how long you. How's your dating life? Wait, you've been in a relationship for a yeah, while. I've been in. I've been in a relationship. <laughs> how's my dating life? <laughs> <laughs> know how personal i want to get on this oh podcast never mind never thing, mind but no i've been in a relationship for eight for eight years i'm about to get cut <laughs> <laughs> definitely my my partner is not listening to this part uh, podcast yeah i've been a part of this for like i've been in a relationship for eight years i don't know how long you've been you've been dating for a long time too two years i'm two years in what's that feel like being two years in yeah feels all right it's a weird it's a weird scene we don't live together so it's it's like different it's kind of like it's like uh, we get to do all the fun stuff together, and we get to like avoid all the annoying stuff. Yeah, for those who are, who are for the two listeners who are tuning <laughs> in, like, that's actually how this podcast got started. <laughs> was we were thinking about relationships, and like our work kind of leads us to building relationships with a lot of different people a- across the city, and sometimes like they're, they're relationships run on a spectrum. And I don't think everybody understands that there's a spectrum. Right. You know what I mean? And so, like, that's kind of how we originally got into this conversation. Just so you know why we're talking about <laughs> online dating. It's because initially we were talking about relationships. And I don't know how we ended up getting into online dating, but just wanted to give you that the little on- background. I think the online dating was, like, a, a memory of, of just some bad dates before we got into our current relationships. Yeah, it's a, that's a messy scene. And I don't know... Um, I got a I got a, a young man I'm mentoring or mentoring down in Pennsylvania still and like we talk about dating all the time and I'm happy that he isn't online dating because I don't have anything <laughs> for him like I have nothing <laughs> to say to I have him no good <laughs> have stories no, yeah because I I was scared of it like I would never I don't like the idea of creating this profile and putting yourself online it's it really just seems awful super weird it just seems super weird I know people shouts out to the people that I know who've had very successful and are married meeting their partner online yeah i've heard of those people but i'm (laughs) but i'm somebody who wants to go to a bar you know what i mean and just like hang out and vibe you know what i mean and i don't know like that don't seem don't uh you know you don't meet no good girls at no bar i love meeting (laughs) girls at bars (laughs) (laughs) now i'm really going to stop (laughs) no but i met my partner i met her at a bar yeah been together for a year well i met my my partner like uh sort of online but it wasn't a dating site Mm -hmm. I met on a motorcycle app. See, I think I think that so that's we met as like-minded people. It's kind of like going to a bar and talking to somebody and realizing you vibe. Yeah, and I could get that. Like, I could. <laughs> I think that that's what online dating is in essence. Like those meetup forums. Like, I, my, yeah. my my young brother, he likes to go to the meetups. You know what I mean? I meet people who you know drive trucks or whatever. You know what I mean? He likes to go, and it's an interesting way to meet people in your community. Without the, like, oh, I'm here to actually date. You know right. what I mean? Then you like, might find someone who you click with, but if not, you're meeting just more community. Right. And yeah. So I, I, I say, like, if you're just trying to meet somebody to go hiking, join a hiker's group. <laughs> Maybe you'll fall in love. <laughs> Maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's nice. Yeah. It can happen. Yeah. It can happen. Or you can have crazy experiences where you date people from online who you meet in person and wonder why you bothered going to meet them. Yeah. See, <laughs> look, I'm, and I come from, we are, we are pre-internet millennials, right? Or is that, is that your classification? No, too? I'm Gen X. Oh, you're Gen X. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a pre-internet millennial. Right. And so for that, what that means is like, I remember I come from a very old school style a little bit uh-huh. of, of dating, but then also I saw AOL, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And I saw the rise of the chat room in the beginnings of the chat room, and I saw people 
like getting in a very serious committed relationship well, with strangers. I have my first there. name as my as my email account. I had I am like I was there at the dawn of the Google. <laughs> it was the Google started and right. I was there. <laughs> yeah. The Facebook started and I was there. Right. Before it's, it was cool. It wasn't cool at but all. It wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. But it was a necessary tool when traveling because this, there was no smartphones. But MySpace was lit though. MySpace was I never got into it. Oh. Everybody had a MySpace but me. I just didn't have the patience. It was the music for me because I'm a music fan. So uh-huh. having like theme music on your page when just people show up, it. it's fire. It's fire because I'm like, <laughs> you should already know what you're getting into. You know what I mean? As soon as you hear this, this, this not, I don't even remember what it was on my, like, it's probably 8 MJG because I was living down <laughs> south at the time. So, like, yeah, if that, yeah, that was, that was what I think Facebook, Zuckerberg, get on it. You know what I mean? Like, He's trying to do too much. Uh, he wants to. He, woo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that other time. Yeah, that other time. <laughs> so yeah, online dating, um, wild environment. I, I, it's, you know, I actually thought we had something to talk about, but neither one. I don't of think us we do. I don't think we do. I guess we're done for today. Yeah, I mean, I guess All we right. are. Well, yeah, well, let's let's get some outro going. All right. Well. Until next time. Well, thank you, Coco, for joining me. Thank you, Holyoke Media, for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks, Holyoke Media. Yeah. Woo, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, again, I'm Terry. <laughs> and I'm Coco. And this is Adventures in Organized Chaos. Have a good week, guys. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging with us on Adventures in Organized Chaos. I'm Terry. <laughs> This is Coco. I'm going to step on all her words. (laughs) It's okay. We're in this together. Solidarity. (laughs) See you next time.